TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and gone! Touch them all! It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. It is Touch Them All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Twins talk for the next hour. Here I am, Rami Makloff, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass and live from Fort Myers, Florida, the site of Twin Spring Training. He's powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. He is our Twins insider, Derek Wetmore. You find his work at scorenorth.com and across all our social media platforms. How are you this afternoon, Derek? I'm great. Uh, it's chilly in Fort Myers, but what's I think chilly? I'll Hold get on, by. What's, what's chilly? Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that what's to him. What's chilly? Rami always asks for the weather report, Judge, yeah, and I'm just trying right, to inform the temp- him. What's the official temperature? Right I looked it up because my hands are getting a little <sighs> numb, and it was 65 degrees out here in Fort Myers. So, And you know what, that. Judd? I watched the uh, the Twins Minute. Hi, Rami. What's going on? How are you, sir? I watched the Twins Minute with you and Derek on, I think it was Facebook or Twitter. It's on all our platforms, like I said, if you want to check it out for the latest on your Minnesota Twins. Um, you you were wearing like a zip up, like a like a like a light jacket down there. What, 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 what's what, why? What's what is happening? Why why would you be wearing a jacket in Fort Myers, Florida? It was it was an Iowa State uh, pullover type of deal, uh-huh. so it wasn't a jacket. But I will tell you this right now, and I don't know why. It's like a light fleece for a heavy set guy. I'm usually freezing. Okay. Derek can confirm. Derek yesterday was in a t-shirt and shorts, and I was in a shorts and and the uh, and the uh, fleece that you saw. Yeah. And I was freezing cold. And Derek standing there, I'm like, dude, you weigh 12 pounds, aren't you cold? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> so I am. I don't know why, but I am always cold. You're like everybody's wife. Like, <laughs> you're every guy's. You. You're every guy's wife who's always cold. Judd Zolgad, every guy's wife. He's always cold. I have no comment on any of this. I have none. I will say, t-shirt and shorts was a bad choice yesterday. We're wearing our matching Score North hoodies today, or the uh, quarter zips. But you got shorts on, or. Uh, Jeans on, I got shorts on. Manny, I get the sense that you're you're the same as me. If it's if it's above fifty, I'm like shorts and light hoodie guy. If it gets above sixty, I'm probably short and shirts or short a sh- like a, like a t-shirt and shorts. Yeah, sorry, I messed up. <laughs> got very close there. No, just a t-shirt and shorts. That red like, button. Don't worry about it. Especially after this, like when the warm weather first starts rolling around, like when you first See, get yeah. that taste of spring. I can't I can't wait to get into shorts and a t-shirt. It's the day in late March in Minnesota, at least, where you get sort of that fifty to sixty degree temperatures, and you just you're 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 so giddy, and you can't wait to get outside, and that's when you're. Tempted to put on the the shorts and the 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 t shirt and all of that. I feel stuff. like it's never going to come though. Well, Rami, well, we've only interacted. Uh-huh. Uh, you and I have only talked in the winter months. So, but I know you come from Milwaukee. Is it true that everyone in Milwaukee just wears yes. those like cargo khaki shorts <laughs> yeah. and, when 12, they go to Brewers games? Twelve months a year, not yes. just to Brewers games. Okay. Twelve months a year, you're you're going to find <laughs> okay, all right, khaki cargo shorts guy in Wisconsin. You're going to find that everywhere you go. And Are he's always drunk too. <laughs> no, I'm not that guy. Not twelve okay. months a year, but I know okay. that guy. I, okay. I I know a few of those guys. Okay. To be quite honest with you, they're friends not of just mine. One. No. If you want to get in on the Twins Talk, which we're actually about to get into, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North. And and the talk out of Twins Camp for the last couple of days, guys, has been Miguel Sano, and it hasn't been good talk. It's it's another setback for the Twins' third baseman. He had to have a debridement 
procedure done on his Achilles where that that cut just won't heal that he suffered while celebrating the uh, championship for his his Venezuelan team or excuse me his Dominican team and uh this is going to set him back probably into May Derek and and yesterday on uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami Judd expressed a sentiment that and I think a lot of Twins fans feel this way it is and maybe always will be something with Miguel Sano I know Manny expressed a similar sentiment in a, a an email thread that goes staff-wide at Score North today. But you, Derek, don't necessarily feel that way about Miguel Sano, and neither does our good friend Patrick Royce. Yeah, it's I get it. I understand the sentiment of here we go again. And I'm just not I'm not ready to give up on him, I guess I'll say, because I still think that you gotta take the chance that that player's in there. That the guy we saw in 2015, who was one of the best hitters in the American League, can still resurface, at least in some form. I I don't think he's going to be like a top 5 AL hitter at any point for the rest of his career. But, you know, if he's a top 25 AL hitter, that's a great value to the Twins over the next couple years. Obviously, they're not going to give up on him, but I guess I'd just like to push back against the public sentiment that it's time to cut bait with this guy and let him go for nothing. And here's my thought on that. And just approaching this from the club's perspective, okay? So this mm-hmm. is not from the fan perspective. This is, And my column on scorenorth.com was, it's always something. And that's true. It's always something. Mm-hmm. But, folks, you're not going to, if you're the twins, you're not going to give up on this guy because you're going to get nothing for him. Like, right. the, it makes right. no sense to release him. That makes zero. So if I get it, you're frustrated. You should be frustrated. You think the twins are? You think privately the twins are going downstairs saying that press conference went well? And man, I'm glad he's out. So, so the notion like that that Derek is talking about here, or Patrick, I believe, blogged about StarTribune.com today. That that doesn't even enter my thought process because there's no there there. There was Mackie and I were on the trade Sano bandwagon two or three years ago when we questioned his commitment, but there was value at that time. There's no value now. Right. So so there's no discussion. Like if you're like cut him, I'm vindictive, but you make no sense. So there's no cutting him. There's no trading him because you'll get batting practice balls back. You have to let this play out. And ultimately, if this ends where it might be tracking, he's just going to be a massive failure. But he will go down as a massive failure of the Twins. Like, if he catches on with Pittsburgh, that's later. That's down the road. But this is now on him, and it's on the Twins. And this story, the majority of the Miguel Sano book will be written as a Twins player now. There's no trading him. It makes no sense. You'll get nothing for him. And I guess from my perspective, it's more of should our expectations now be tapered a little bit for him? Because for me, it's I've been thinking, okay, this guy's going to turn the corner and turn into a superstar. At least that's that's what I'm hoping for. But at this point, I feel like, okay, whatever they can get out of this guy, try and get the most out of him. Certainly don't pull the plug on him. But everything they can get on this, get out of this guy becomes just a bonus. That the expectations for him at this point shouldn't be very high. And then if he turns into something, great. If he doesn't, then you just have to, you just have to go the, a different route eventually. See, I feel like this is a, 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 a prove it year for Miguel Sano where yeah. you still come in with those high expectations, Derek. But for me, it's, it's make or break. And 
That's that's speaking as a guy who who just got to Minnesota and and started closely following Minnesota Twins baseball after following from afar in Milwaukee for a long time. So I got to imagine that most people's patience is wearing a lot thinner than mine. And I'm hearing it in in what Judd and Manny are saying. Most people's patience is probably wearing a lot thinner than mine when it comes to Miguel Sano. Would you agree that it's 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 a make or break year? It's a prove it year for Miguel Sano this year as far as what route the Twins decide to take with him? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think that for him to have the great winter that he, we're told he had before this accident, incident, what are we calling it? I, I, whatever. Before he hurt himself <laughs> celebrating. It's an, it's an accident. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't intentional, right? So it's no. an accident. And I think that if he had just had another lousy winter and he came here weighing 300 pounds and had a huge gash on his leg, it'd be like, all right, what Manny just said rings true. He's just, the expectation is now, will he even play fine? We have floor-level expectations for this guy, and there's no chance he exceeds him. But I think the fact that he really kicked it in the pants this winter, by all accounts, and everybody with the Twins is telling you, and you get a look at this guy in person, and it's like, yep, that's a different guy. That's a different athlete than we saw last summer. I think that that buys him a little bit of leniency here, a little bit of latitude that you get to say, okay, this is a unfortunate accident, and no one's happy about it, including the Twins and certainly including Miguel himself. But that winter, to me, does buy you a little bit of extra freedom, a little bit of extra leash to say, okay, get back from this, and we'll see what you are in mid-May. And And for for whatever it's worth. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, I I was going to say, I think he gets that regardless like this is the year right, right. so mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not going to pull the plug on him at any point but that's why this I'm saying, year. yeah like, I, I think this could go well for him because of that winter that i'm talking about well i guess what i'm thinking here is prove that it's not going to be something else so come back from this in may and you know what go play third base play really well but this is this is all about him and his opportunity with the Twins, and this is a bad start. It doesn't have to be the finish. It just feels yeah. it just feels like it is because he was coming off such a disappointing uh, 2018 season. And I think it's very fair to question if he can bounce back from this. I think I want to have confidence that he can, and I think that he can, but I want to see it. I want to see it. And I don't. I can't blame Twins fans for for feeling that way at all. I mean, you, you, this guy has has uh, he's been he's been testing the patience of Twins fans for a a long, long time. And and the the name that keeps coming up, and I've heard Manny and and Judd bring this name up when we talk about Miguel Sano and that feeling that it's always something is Andrew Wiggins. That's the comparison that I keep hearing. But it's different than Andrew Wiggins because with Wiggins, I think he 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 does. More of it to himself than mm-hmm. than than it than is the case with Miguel Sano. I think, and I'll keep it in the same sport, same team. Judd, tell me if you agree. A, a more apt comparison would be Derrick Rose, who it also seems like there is always something, and sometimes it's his own doing, but a lot of the time it's something that is completely out of his control. Whether it's an injury, whether yeah. it's a family member or somebody in his circle doing something stupid, it, it always seems like it's something with Derrick Rose. And sometimes you point the finger at him and go, "Why would you do that?" But other times, it's just things happening to him that keeps setting setting him and the organization back. That's true about it always being something with both players, but the difference is that Rose got to the top. I mean, he was MVP. True. So 
I Sano Sano was an All Star, I think, back in 2017, but he didn't get there yet. And, and the Wiggins comparison to me with Sano is not fair because I'm on record as saying I don't think Andrew cares. I don't think he cares. I think Sano, I think his commitment is certainly can be questioned and should be. I think Sano has had people get to him who have said, if you do not um, maximize your talents, you are going to lose out on tens of millions of dollars. The comparison that I gave Derek on our Touch Em All podcast after the Sano news came down yesterday was Bryant McKinney left tackle for the Vikings because Bryant McKinney was a marvelously talented athlete. Bryant McKinney was a Hall of Fame player if he had applied himself. He didn't really apply himself, but he still had a decent career. Mm-hmm. And so so the Wiggins comparison, I think, is too strong because I, I don't want to accuse Sano of not caring. I do question, I question his maturity, and I question... Um, his, I question how much he cares all the time. I think he does care at times. So I told Derek, my comparison is McKinney, and until Sano proves that he can apply himself consistently, I think that's a fair one. Yeah, well, and the way I look, I got a cheap shot lined up for you, Rami. There's, there's no Andrew Wiggins comparison because Sano hurt himself celebrating a Winter League championship. So, <laughs> that was have pretty, something to celebrate. How long have you been thinking that one? I've been working on that for a little bit. No, there is this wow, weird part of this. Like, as much as I defend Sano for some of this dumb stuff that just seems to happen to him, it is getting a little. It's hard to defend and surprising and almost bordering on ridiculous that he just seems to have this magnetism for trouble. It it doesn't have to be a major thing, but you know there it was the assault allegation. His fault either. Sure, there's the assault allegation last winter, and it's like, well, that's troubling. And then he reportedly ran over the foot of a police officer at a stop in the Dominican Republic. Hey, who it, among us, right? <laughs> it turns out that that was probably nothing. But also, like, what are you doing, putting yourself in that situation? Why are you? out at that well, why, hour doing what you why, are doing why did, did you suffer this cut and not immediately get back to work with the team on getting it healed sure yeah so you're hey, right yeah maybe get point. maybe get this stitched up and then say hey could i get to fort myers like tomorrow and can we make sure yep. that we're it's just any one of these things i don't think you'd look at and say this guy's got no shot it's just surprising how many of them there have been since he joined the Twins organization, or really since he surfaced as a major leaguer. It's it's becoming a, kind of an alarming rate for that, and I think he might just be one of those guys that has a magnetism for that kind of thing. The Derrick Rose comparison is actually really, really fascinating. And for whatever it's worth, Rod Carew in that piece by Patrick Royce at StarTribune.com he was talking about Miguel Sano. He said he looks good, even better. Miguel told me that he found peace this winter. I know the feeling that happened with me, and on some level that goes back to what we talked about yesterday on Mackie and Judd with Rami, which was that these guys being happy and, and a good atmosphere in that clubhouse actually matters and leads to productive baseball and, and, and better baseball players, and that's something that the uh, the, the manager, Rocco Baldelli, is trying to initiate in that clubhouse of everybody come to work, have fun, be happy, and and but at the same time get your work done. You guys put a lot of stock in what Rod Carew says, or is this just a a jovial veteran baseball man who's saying what he should say about eh. his former team? I mean, Judd's got more experience than me. You buying this, Judd? He's holding he, his head I, right now in his I'm hands. I'm rubbing my temples. <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh, beware of the man who announces at the start of training camp or spring training that he has found peace, for he is only around the corner from the next mishap. Oh. I, 
Honest, Manny, can you not? I, how many times have we read? And I wrote these stories for the Star Tribune, so guilty as charged. How many times have we read the story of of the guy who has had uh, you know troubles, and it might not even be legal, but troubles in his career, and then he comes to spring training or training camp and announces, "I am a new man." And this happens with you know NFL players constantly. Mm-hmm. I don't buy a word of well, of that ever until I see it for an extended period yeah, of time. Yeah, let, let me push back on that just for a second because I'm not. I tend to agree with you that you can say whatever you want to say in February, and that's great. But it's different than Miguel coming in and saying, hey, I found peace. We're all good now. This is Rod Carew. I mean, this guy's a legend, and he can say whatever he wants about anybody he wants at any time. And just knowing the way that Patrick will work a clubhouse there, I'm not sure Rod Carew knew that this was going to be quoted in the Star Tribune a month later. He was just sort of talking. I'm just I'm just saying when athletes, even even if they're talking to a former player, Lip service is a very dangerous thing. I see what you're saying. You so, know, I, oh, I found peace. I'm happy now. I'm happy. And then something happens. Yeah, I just, it's a tough one to read, Rami, because I don't know exactly what context those comments would have even been made mm-hmm. in. And it's tough to say. Think about the, he came to Fort Myers, too, knowing that he was going to miss a little bit of time with this. Maybe he didn't know he was going to miss a month of the season with this. But little, uh, Interesting to think back on when he would have come to spring, talked with Rodney, and uh, you know why, what what does he have to gain by lying there? I'm I'm not calling that into question necessarily, but I do agree with Judd's sort of point that you can you can say you found peace and uh, words are only worth so to, much. To be clear, I'm not saying that he is lying. I'm saying athletes have the ability, as we all do, but they're special with this one to convince themselves of things. Okay. So I'm not saying that he looked at crew and lied. I'm saying in his mind, he's convincing himself, I found peace. I need to see it for an extended period of time to believe it. Okay. That's fair. We shall see. By the way, I say that every spring. That I've found peace. And <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to find peace now till about April 15th is where you live. <laughs> or, I feel for you, man. <laughs> and you know what? I stay on course through the spring and summer, and then fall comes around, and those damn Reese's pumpkins, man, they get me off. They get me <laughs> off track. <laughs> not to mention pumpkin time. beer. Every I found time. Reese's pieces. Oh. Huh? What do, you, what do you mean, Reese's Pieces? I found peace. I found Reese's Pieces. Ah, no? okay. I see what you did there. I'll show myself. Okay, yeah, that was, you know, you started really strong. I'm one for but two. It, but if that's the end, man. <laughs> Derek Wetmore was powered by Shane Company, your <laughs> friend right. in the diamond business. And he's I, now powered by the gong show. It's a pretty good batting average. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chuck the, Ferris. The slugging percentage is not very high. <laughs> I'm the unknown comic. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of food, the Twins made what I think is their best and biggest move of the offseason. We'll get to that right around 140, but (laughs) I want to keep the Miguel Sano talk going and and just talk about what his future might be. You're listening to Touch Em All here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We're back right after this. Hey, everyone. It's Matthew Collar. You can find my new show, Score North Live, every day from 2 to 4 p.m. on the all-new Score North on 1500 and on demand at scorenorth.com. In addition to Vikings talk, we break down the most important and pressing subjects like the responses to Kirk Cousins' tweets. I would like that. And which Fast and the Furious movie is the best. Those types of things. Yeah. It's Score North Live with me, Matthew Collar, available on scorenorth.com and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You're listening to the all-new Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. 
Touch them all on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Manny Hill back in our TCL broadcast studios live from Twin Spring Training in Fort Myers, Florida is Judd Zulgad and our Twins insider Derek Wetmore. He's powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Find all of Derek's musings on the Twins and videos and articles and podcasts all on our Twins page. Score North Twins is how you search for that wherever you download podcasts or just download the uh, Score North app and uh, give us a five-star rating. The more you listen there, the better chance you have of winning cool stuff. Judd just made me aware of something during the break that uh, I was not aware of, and I feel like a lot of Twins fans were not aware of. I want to get to that in just one second, but I wanted to continue the Miguel Sano talk, if we could, for just one second. So, Derek, you're obviously not giving up on Miguel Sano. Let's play the comp game. Who do, who, who do you think Miguel Sano can still be if uh, if his Major League career pans out? Yeah, well, I just look at the numbers that he put up in that 2015 season, and I, I know it was only a half a season, and I know it sort of it even tailed off a little bit at the end as he started sort of swinging for the fences every time, but he just looked to me like such a complete hitter. He had a good sense of the strike zone. He had a great sense of what opposing pitchers were trying to do. He saw like the lowest percent of fastballs of just about anybody in the league, which is a sign of respect that, hey, this guy can catch any fastball. He hasn't been that guy the past couple of years, so take that for what it's worth. I'm not 100% convinced that that's still in there, but the fact that we've seen it in the majors is really, really encouraging. So I started going down the list of like, okay, who is this guy? If if it goes according to plan and he breaks out, who are the most comparable hitters? And I don't know. It's an inexact science, but I started sorting by offensive metrics and was like, okay, well, is he like a Justin Morneau? Or uh, Justin Turner, guys that has some power, could draw some walks, get on base. Not necessarily the exact same type of hitter in both of those cases, but that'd be a pretty good outcome if you're the Twins. Um, I think I wrote to you guys earlier today, too, that in terms of a slugger who can draw walks, he's not David Ortiz, and he's not Jim Tomey. I mean, he's not Miguel Cabrera. You, you'd hope that he could become those sort of Hall of Fame caliber hitters, but it's probably a little unrealistic at this point. Um, some other names that just jumped into my mind are first baseman from the White Sox, Jose Abreu, Paul Canerco. Can he be one of those just great hitters who have power? Or is he going to be what? Judd's laughing. Oh, the list just keeps getting worse. worse. No, no. I mean, he's not. I say he's not Jim Tomey. No, he's but not he David Ortiz. No, I know, but this list is. He's so. going down the scale. He's starting oh, at yeah. Justin oh, Turner, yeah. oh, Justin yeah, Morneau. Like, we're working our way down to Jose Abreu called or, Paul Canerco. Or, or perhaps one of the he, he can be like a great American Legion player. Right, let's, yeah, let's, the best power hitter for the St. Paul Saints history. Let's slide further down that scale, Derek. Keep going. It it gets a little startling. Keep your hands inside it, the vehicle at all times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rami. You articulated it perfectly. So I just look at this and I say, man, if he is if he's an all or nothing slugger, but he's still gonna hit for some power, because you see him in batting practice and you're like Wow, okay, this guy's got pop with the best of them. Will that play up in games? Let's see. But then you go, you start talking about your Mark Reynolds, your sort of your all or nothing strikeout guys who aren't even going to draw that many walks, frankly. Your Chris Davis of the Orioles, um, Joey Gallo for the Texas Rangers. Are you one of those guys that just sells out to hit home runs, or are you a hitter 
like a Nelson Cruz who winds up with 35, 40 homers at the end of the year because he just stung enough balls hard in an upward trajectory. It, there's, there's still a really, really wide range for me on who Sano could be, but if you're dreaming, it's that, it's that light version of Miguel Cabrera, of David Ortiz, whatever. I don't think he reaches that point. Even the optimist would say that now. But that's sort of what you're gunning for. If, if he's, twins. if he's, and Judd, I don't know if you agree, but if he's in that, just if he's in the Turner, Morneau, Abreu, Canerco range, good mm-hmm. enough for me. If he's Mark Reynolds, Chris Davis, Josh Willingham, Joey Gallo, that that's 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 be, that's below expectations. That, yeah, it's it's disappointing if that's what you get from Miguel Sano. Derek, what do you think? Because you're right. When this came, when this guy came up in what was it, July 2015? Yep. And played 80 games. He had an approach at the plate. He struck out a lot, but he clearly had an approach, and we all sure. said, "Wow." Where do you think he's at now? Because it's pretty clear that, that, yes, his conditioning played a role in his demise as well, but so did adjustments made by pitchers and by teams. So when he does get back on the field, what's your expectation about where he is as a hitter, and is he any closer to being back towards that 2015 guy, or does he now have to, or has he failed to make adjustments to the adjustments, and that sabotaged him? No, I think he is capable of getting back to that, at least close to that 2015 level. So I don't think that's gone. I don't think he just flushed that entirely. But I will say, if you look at last year, I think the temptation would be, so if you're a stats guy, you're going to look at everything, and you're going to say, here's his body of work, maybe he can replicate that, and if he's healthy, here's a couple more games, here's about what I think his numbers would be. But I think the temptation would be if you're an optimistic Twins fan or an optimistic Twins coaching staff member or an optimistic manager of the Minnesota Twins, your temptation would be to say, look, 2018 was just a lost year. He came to camp not ready. And if that's for offseason surgery and you want to make excuses for it, that's fine. The point is he was not ready to play 162 games in a Major League Baseball season. Okay, so fast forward to what was it, May or June that he got sent out. They sent him back to high A Fort Myers, which is maybe not unprecedented, but highly, highly atypical in the Major Leagues to send a guy who was in last year's All-Star game down to your high A affiliate to just get back on track. Um, he was playing in some games. He was working on conditioning. It's it's a shocking move, and I think it was a move, though, at the time that a lot of Twins fans said, yeah, that's about right. That's that's what you need to do right now. So if you want to look at this with rose-colored glasses and say, let's just flush 2018. Forget about it. He came to camp not ready, never got on track, and then even when he did go back down and got himself in a little bit better physical shape, he came back and he was not that feared hitter. He was, as I believe Patrick pointed out in his column at StarTribune.com, he was swing and miss. That's fine. That's part of his game. But he was chase outside of the zone. He was check swing on a pitch that you should crush. He was don't catch that belt high fastball that you used to turn around 450 feet. Now it's swing and a miss or foul back to the screen. Those are concerning signs that if he doesn't get that right, he'll never be these hitters we're talking about. But if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say 2018 stats weren't great, but here are the reasons why, and let's just ignore them, try to get back to that 15, early 16, the type of hitter that really struck fear in the oppo- the, uh, the heart of opposing pitchers. Is this a similar conversation that we had with Byron Buxton on this show a couple of weeks ago when we were thinking, the okay. flush? Well, not so much the flush, but just going, Derek, going back to your list of players that he could be, because remember we went down that you know Phil had the the list of 
comparable players that Byron Buxton could be. And, you know, sure. Mike Cameron's name came up. And I think I think I brought up Grady Sizemore or something like that. I mean, yeah. is this kind of a similar conversation where, okay, Miguel is not going to be Miguel Cabrera, but if he's something in between that and, you know, Chris Davis, that the right. Twins would be happy. Yeah, like like – the worst case scenario is he washes out of the league and, and never provides. He's he's never even like a serviceable big leaguer. That's really hard to envision at this point, but it's within the realm of possibilities. Another realm of possibility is like he becomes just one small step down from Miguel Cabrera, and you're thrilled that you stuck with him for these three years while it became very trying and very difficult to do so. I think the more likely outcome, Manny, just like any of these things, is somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. where he sort of settles in that. Maybe he's not going to be a great glove third baseman, but maybe he can hold down the position. And maybe it makes sense he plays first base someday. Just you're you're not going to get a ton of range at third. It'd stink to waste the arm, but if you can keep him healthy for 150 games and the bat is worth it, then then that's a trade-off you might have to make. So I do think that the the just like the Buxton conversation – I don't think he's Mike Trout. I don't think he's flame out of the league fourth outfielder or like a like a Billy Hamilton. I I think that the floor is higher than that for Buxton and the ceiling is not Mike Trout. Much the same way I do think it for Miguel Sano. He's not a Hall of Famer, that's fine, but I also don't think he's a massive bust flame out of the league. You'll forget about him by 2023 and he'll be like remember what could have been guy 20 years from now. I don't think that's going to happen either. And a guy who they brought in this year to sort of lead by example and mentor Miguel Sano and others on this roster is Nelson Cruz. And I I swear I did not know, although it occurs to me now that we haven't heard his name all spring, but until Judd told me during the break, it just didn't occur to me that I wasn't hearing Nelson Cruz's name. And he hasn't played at all this spring training. Is that right? He played opening day. He was at the... uh they ran out basically their A lineup for the Hammond Stadium debut, the yeah. night game opener. He was a part of that game. But otherwise, I haven't seen him in the game. If if he was in one of the road games, I missed him. But the, every game that I've been to has been noticeably absent Nelson Cruz's name in the lineup card. Why? Do we what? know why? Has anybody <laughs> asked us? Come on, Derek. Yeah, we've asked. We've asked. And Rockaball Deli said they're going to get through the off day today. And he'll probably be back in the lineup soon thereafter. I did watch Cruz take multiple rounds of live BP the other day, both on the minor league field and then on the main field here at Hammond Stadium. And he was crushing baseballs. He was doing Nelson Cruz things. So I I did a little digging and tried to figure this out. There's got to be something. He's got to be hurt, whatever. From everything I can tell, guys, it is more of a cautious approach than an actual injury that they're working on. Maybe he's a little sore. I mean, he's got some muscle stuff, but I don't think there's any danger he misses opening day. I think this is 38-year-old veteran, a lot of miles on the tires, knows what he needs to do to get ready for the regular season, and if there is any sort of uh, soreness starting at the beginning of spring training, what is the point in pushing through it and maybe making something worse, maybe developing some sort of soft tissue uh, injury? One game, so the game that Derek is talking about, the Knight Hammond Stadium opener, no at-bats and a walk for Nelson Cruz. 
Is that all he did? That's he it. He drew one walk and left? He, it looks like he drew a walk and left the game, and he got no. It's interesting. He's listed with two runs scored, but no at-bats and one walk. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway. Spring training stats can but be you know, weird when you try to track them down. But online, you know what, though? Sure. Here is, so, so here, to me, is the interesting thing about Cruz not playing. You know, 10 years back, you'd say, okay, something's wrong for sure. Something's wrong, and this is weird. And they're hiding it. And they're hiding it. But with the new approach to spring training now, I'm not so sure because it it's a very different approach and and this is why guys I am going to be surprised within the next I don't know 5 years or so if we don't see some type of, of reduction in spring training games because it's clear that the the old school need to play games to get set is not there now and so I guess I buy the fact that Nelson Cruz is older he might be a bit sore he gets his work in and guess what he goes home that's right. That's it. That's right. I think there is this part of spring training, to Judd's point, maybe 10 years ago you were preparing to grind, and you prepare to grind by grinding. But I think teams now are saying, <laughs> no, this is... If and we're, Lacey's talked about that a if lot. If we're a postseason club, if we have visions of playing through October, which I, I'm not saying that the Twins do, but just if you're the Boston Red Sox down the street, and not only did you just grind through last October, you're planning, fully planning to grind through this upcoming October after a six-month stretch of baseball games that matter. Why, in that case, would you have a J.D. Martinez or a Mookie Betts or name your player, star player for the Red Sox, why would you have that person also grind through February and March? I think there's going to be a lot of this going on with especially the competitive clubs. Judd's point, picking your spots and saying... Yeah, I, we'd like Buxton to get some plate appearances, but if he's tired on March 28th and that in any way impacts even one plate appearance, it will not have been worth it just so that he gets more plate appearances in spring training. I think clubs are going to strategically rest, guys, just like they do in the regular season. You're seeing it already a lot in spring training. I think that's where Nelson Cruz sort of falls into that right now of, hey, he's done this spring thing. He knows what it takes to get ready. And the Twins, at least, aren't saying that this is anything to be concerned about going forward. I'm honestly surprised that it took so long for baseball to to to, to latch on to this trend of, of preservation and conservation. Bill Walsh introduced it to the NFL in the 80s, and we saw the NBA pick up on it recently. And Major League Baseball, these guys... Yeah, it's not as physically taxing a sport as football or basketball when you talk about an individual game, but when you talk about the grind of a 162-game schedule, it, yeah. may, it may be the most wearing schedule in all of professional sports. It only makes sense to me that you would you would pull back on these guys sometimes and, and preserve them for, for later in the season. You know what you're going to see this summer, and I don't think it's going to be exclusive to the Twins, but I'm willing to bet, I just have a hunch, that you're going to see fewer pregame batting practice sessions. I think teams are starting to say, yeah, you get something out of this. Some guys get a Rocco feel. Rocco t- talked about that two days ago, right? Yeah. About the change to it in, well, he in actually, philosophy of not just going out in the field and say, okay, boys, let's get 10 pitches for you and a butt. But let's he, get was, you out of he was <laughs> defending the notion of on-field batting practice, which is like it was one of those situations where I'm hearing him say, yeah, but you can get some base running jumps in and, and you get a feel and you start to just build some confidence by hitting – line drives and dingers, and I'm sitting there sitting in my chair, Judd, thinking, methinks thou doth protest too much in this case that if you're defending pregame batting practice is sort of just a hint that, yeah, the Twins aren't necessarily going to do that 162 games a year. We've seen it five years ago maybe. 
if you had a late night and then a getaway day noon game, yeah, you're not probably not going to take BP because the extra rest is more important, and then you hope to just shake off the rust in your first plate appearance. But I think you're going to see it more implemented uh, more regularly, more routinely. It's not just going to be for getaway days. It's going to be a, hey, here's a Tuesday night, and we've had like eight games in a row since our last day off. I don't need Why? you guys on the field before the well, game. Why don't you, if you want to swing in the cage, go swing in the cage. That's fine. But we don't need a 45-minute team-oriented get your cuts in on the grass at Target Field. And th- this is the first time now that the, the crop of people coming up are in charge who have, and and this to me is a society thing, who don't say, well, you do BPY. We've always done it that yeah, way, BP, right? Yes. This is the first, yep. you, you now have people in charge who have been raised saying, well, why are you doing it? Why? Show me a study that says and, why we should do it. And BP. the old school baseball guy always said, because we do it this way. Yeah. Five o'clock, we have batting practice. So I think all of the changes that we're seeing in baseball are also because you're getting people now who are starting to question why things were done that way and saying it doesn't make sense. And, and the notion that you should play spring training games almost every day in March, why? Because to get guys in shape. Well, the answer now is, but guys are supposed to be in shape when they arrive. Why do they need to play th- those games? And then the comeback to that is because we've always done it that way. Sure. And this group now says, okay, that doesn't necessarily make sense. Right. And I'm not, I'm not do away with spring training guy. I think there's a ton of value in slowly. But it's like getting training camp this. has changed in football. Yep, exactly right. It's not gone. Or the NBA has done away with some morning shootarounds because maybe that extra hour of sleep can be scientifically proven to be more beneficial to you than running through your like. I told my third parents for years set. school starts too early, and they didn't listen. And it in retrospect, and in retrospect, they should have gone to the school and said, "Our it, son Judd says school. Does. Let him sleep another two hours." It does. You're there. There are. It, you can prove this. I mean, demonstrably, yeah, there are studies. you can prove yes. this. There are. I studies. wish I'd done the studies. Yeah. Well, hey, you, at least commission the studies. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't present <laughs> the studies to your parents, Judd. You didn't come to him with a binder. Like, look, school needs to start later, and here's why. Here's my brainwave. Here is the function and when I don't get sleep versus when I do. I should have gone to the brass at Benilde St. Margaret's in 1987 and said, listen, you goofballs, here's what we got to do. We got to start school. Let's have four classes a day and let's start around noon so I can sleep till 1030. Just quickly, the the counter argument is going to be, well, if you, for baseball, if you skip BP, you're not going to be prepared or like, oh, that, are you going to get that extra hour of sleep? Are you going to stay out an extra hour the night before? And to which I would say, if you do that, that's on you. That's your fault. Do you care about optimal performance or not? And the guys who do are going to sort of, the cream rises to the top, and they become the ones who are, yes, you're excellent at skills-wise and from a physical standpoint, but you also care so much about preparation and getting ready both mentally and physically. It's something Nelson Cruz has talked about a lot this winter since he signed with the Twins. Here's how I stave off decline at age 38. It's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to invest yourself into actually doing it. I, for one, like to see it at the team-wide level that they are making this investment, that, that teams are pushing towards this, and you're, you've already start to see benefits for some players who start to take this stuff a lot more seriously. Guys, you were talking about trends in baseball. The A's have uh, attached themselves to a trend in baseball, and I think it's the best move that they've made this offseason. And I'm not even kidding. I know you oh. guys think I'm joking, but the change that the Twins announced today, I think, 
is the best move that the Twins made this offseason. We're going to talk about that next. You're listening to Touch Em All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Me and Manny back here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Derek Wetmore, powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business, along with Judd Zolgad, live from Twin Spring Training in Fort Myers, Florida. And we're all back right after this. Welcome to the all-new Score North. Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. And it's Touch Em All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Rami and Manny back in the TCL broadcast studios. Twins insider Derek Wetmore and Judd Zolgad live from Twin Spring Training in Fort Myers, Florida. And guys, the uh, Twins put out a press release today announcing a uh, partnership with Delaware North Sports Service to bring fam- family-friendly concession concession pricing to Target Field. Easy for me to say. And uh, it will be available in sections 133 and 327 and will be offered on some of the ballpark's most popular food items. The concession stands will also offer a more convenient self-checkout process with fans being able to purchase food using touchscreen kiosks included in the new pricing will be Schweigert hot dogs for $4, nachos for $4, soft pretzels for $4, peanuts for 3 popcorn is $3, a Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Mountain Dew or Sierra Mist is just $2, and a 12-ounce Budweiser or Bud Light, now I'm talking Judd Zolgad's language, $5 <laughs> at Target Field. And how much on the light beer. I'm confused here. Why? Well, the list just ends before it gets to craft beer, which must be on page two. Where, where are my, where are my five dollar farm girls? There are uh, no five dollar farm girls, Jen. No, probably not. I got to tell you, Rami, you said that this is one of the greatest changes that the Twins made this winter. I'm not even kidding. What, I think Williams Astadia would be offended to hear you say that after stumping for him since you got here. But I'm not joking. Uh, I have a I have a younger brother. He's about the same age as me. He sent me a text. Uh, apparently, a group thread going around him and all his buddies. So mid late twenties, and he says this is what it takes to get me and my buddies to yes. a Twins game, and sent me the picture of the tweet that the Twins sent out. Nice. We are dropping concession prices, and they will be a little bit more. Uh, as I think their term was family friendly, I'll just extend that out and say fan friendly. It is something that <laughs> would keep people like my brother, who does not have young children, but still would not want to go pay concession prices for like twelve dollars for a soft pretzel with queso. Um, that is that has caught his interest more than any other thing that's happened in spring training so Guys, far. Beyond just putting the right players on the field, I think that a maybe the most important thing for a, not just a baseball organization, but any organization is getting butts in seats and people through turnstiles, and I think this, this goes a long way in doing that. I don't know if you guys remember or even heard about this last year, but the Oakland A's, for the 50th anniversary of the franchise, they literally gave away tickets Gave away tickets last year to the Oakland Coliseum for a July game against the White Sox. A Tuesday night game where they usually draw 10,000 or less fans. And they were free, okay, but they got 46,028 people into the Oakland Coliseum for a Tuesday night game giving away free tickets. We talk Mm. all the time, Judd. We do it frequently on Mackie and Judd with Rami about how you can make the game more appealing, how you can get more people to watch, get more people in the stadium. And we're often talking about rule changes and, and, and strategy changes, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think it goes a long way to just make the game more affordable for fans to go and watch, and you'll develop a loyal and regular fan base through doing that. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, when he first bought the team, he slashed ticket prices in half. And people thought he was crazy. And he had a very common sense line. He said, I'd rather have a stadium full of people paying half price than a stadium half full of people paying full price. Because he wanted to develop a fan base again for the Atlanta Falcons in the city of Atlanta. And that's how he did it. By making it someplace that was affordable and welcoming to your average, everyday sports fan. And you didn't have to make crazy money to go and take your family or go with a few buddies to the game. I really think, I'm not joking, when I say this is one of the bigger and better moves that the Twins made this offseason in slashing concession prices, I would only say they didn't go far enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's common sense, right? And and Derek's right. Family friendly sounds nice. What this does is this makes the best sports bar in downtown yes. even better yes. for for people who are the age of Derek's brother. Target Field is the best sports bar in downtown Minneapolis. Oh, no question. That's what you're talking but, about. But, yeah. but when we're talking about $5 for a Bud Light or a Bud, and, yes. and, and I realize it's not a craft beer, but I'm an old guy that likes craft beer. <laughs> but if you're 25, that's a great deal. So I can now go get a, a hot dog and a beer for $9. Mm-hmm. That that is when we're taught when we're discussing a baseball team that we don't know how good they're going to be. They're coming off a disappointing season and their games take a long time. But you know that young fans will come because they you play in a great place. Yeah, this makes sense. I'm kind of I'm reading through the text thread that my brother sent me from his buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, first of all, I guess I don't know if he wanted me reading through the whole thing. Ah, oh, keep going. No, no, we're, and, and now we're on radio, it's so just, it's happening. It's just us in Fort Myers. Said, yeah, that's right. It's me, you, Rami, and Manny. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about Back it. Back at the TCL broadcast studios, right? No, he says. Uh, nice plug. He said, "I'm just looking for." Thank you. I'm a radio pro. He said. I'm just concerned about the size change, and his buddy dug into it a little bit more, and he said, oh, yep, I found it. Those five bucks, those are for 12-ouncers. Stay woke. Stay woke. He he wanted to make sure that uh, we were woke to the fact that you're not getting the huge, tall stadium beer, but still, I have a feeling. For five bucks? I know a couple of these guys, Judd. I've met them in person. I've hung out with them a little bit. I have a feeling that they're going to crush a couple of $5 buds this summer. A couple. I believe I believe that the craft beers that I like at Target Field. I want to say I might be wrong on this. I think they were up to eleven fifty or something last year. Yeah, so, like that time you and I went, it was uh, yeah. they were they were pricey. So so we're talking three buds here, fifteen bucks. That's a really good deal. And you can have a couple across the street before you get there. It's it's a. I still, you know what though, this still leads into the Zolgad plan. What's that? Partner with Lyft or Uber. If you oh, want to go sure. to the Twins yes, game and get right. completely hammered, yes, that's right. the home run package will get you home. <laughs> that's a great idea. Thank that's you. Idea. That is an outstanding you idea. I'm doing marketing, too, now. I'm running teams. I'm doing marketing. I'm consulting against all, court Judd. storming. I'm so put upon. See you guys. That's Judd Zolgad along with Derek Wetmore. He's powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business, live from Twin Spring Training. Find all our Twins programming. Just search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. I'm Rami Makloff along with... Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that.
Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.